Welcome to Life Church Hurley's audio podcast. We hope this teaching will challenge you in any season of life you may be in. Thank you for joining us. We hope you'll enjoy. Uh, if you have your Bibles this morning, we're going to be uh, in the book of Luke. And uh, maybe it's a story you're, you're pretty familiar with. Uh, maybe it's something you've never really paid attention to. Maybe you've heard the story or whatever. Either way, it's, it's, an, it's an amazing story. It's good, uh, but it's interesting. There's a lot of stuff going on in and, and just a few verses. Luke chapter 18, starting with verse 1. It says, Then Jesus spoke a parable to them, that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. And he said this, that, There was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now, there was a widow in that city, and she came to him saying, You need to get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not do it for a while. But afterward, he said within himself, Though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she wearies me. Verse 6, Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said. And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, he will, will he really find faith on earth? Let's just pray real, real fast. God, we love you so much. Thank you again for bringing us into your place. Lord, we pray that your word is sharper than any two-edged sword, Lord, and your word does not return void. Lord, I pray that we are excited, Lord, and we are fulfilled by your word and by your presence. We love you. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. How many of y'all know someone who just has a tendency to get things done? Like no matter what it takes, you have, you've been trying to do something for months and months and that person just walks in and says, Oh, I got this and just does it. And you're, you're standing there like, I'm not sure if I like you right now, right? Like some people just, they have that way about them. And, and since Kaylee's not here today, I can tell the story. I wasn't going to tell it, but she's not here. So uh, the other day we're sitting in the bed. We're about to go to bed. She's playing this word crossword puzzle thing on her phone, right? And she's like, I've been staring at the screen for like two hours and I can't find out what this word is. It was the first letter and the last letter. And then it was like seven letters in between. And she hands me the phone and you're supposed to be looking at the letters underneath to to put the the words together with the letters that are underneath. I don't even look at the letter because I didn't know the game. And and she just handed it over to me. I said, here you go. And I handed it back to her and she stared at me and she was not too happy. She said, I don't understand how you did that. I was like, I don't know either, but just go to sleep, you know? But some, some people, they, they just have like a knack, like just, just to get things done. And here we see this, this widow and, and she has gone through it and, and she has asked people to avenge her. Apparently she's been going through some things. Uh, apparently she's had a hard time in life and, and someone has either stolen something from her or, or done something to hurt her or her family. Something is going on in this widow's life and to where she has walked around and obviously she, she no longer has a husband to take up for her and to avenge her. And so she's on her own. And obviously none of her family has done it or has been able to do it. None of her friends have stepped up to the plate. And so she is desperate. She doesn't know what to do. She doesn't know where to turn. And so she figures, well, if anyone can do it, I guess I'll just go to a judge. And the widow is, she's persistent. 
<laughs> a lot of women are persistent. They're going to get it done. They're, they're going to figure out a way to get it. My mom was that woman to a T. She told me and my brother one day, I, I was all of about maybe 15 years old. I, I'd never really done much uh, up in that point. I was 15. She said, I want you to go out back and build a deck. I said, yeah, I don't know how to build a deck. And she said, I don't care. Tell me what I need to buy. We'll go buy it. And you're going to build a deck. Listen, I didn't know how to run a saw. I, I didn't I, like, I didn't know. I, I didn't know how to build a deck until after I got done building the deck. Y'all didn't get it. We built the deck. Me and my brother went out there, built the deck. Now here's the deal. Just because someone tells you to build something doesn't mean you have to build it right. All right. So we didn't. Um, when you took a few feet back and looked at the deck, it was like this, right? But we built the deck. We built the deck. My mom was just so persistent. One day she got pulled over by a cop and, uh, because she was speeding and, uh, and she looked at the cop and she, she said, um, well, I guess you're just trying to meet your quota. And that didn't help. That didn't help at all. Uh, but my mom was that, that, like that type person, just very strong spirited. Uh, she's going to get her way. Uh, you're not going to stand in her way. Uh, it, just really tough. So one day we were driving down the road and again, she's a single mom. She has her two boys at home. We're in the car, in the little family car, the, uh, Chevrolet Corsica. Yeah. Nice. And uh, the county is out mowing grass next to the street. And as soon as we pass by, the, the mower turns real sharp and sprays the entire side of the car with chunks of rocks. And it's just all down the side of the car is, you know, chips and, and dings and everything. And my mom just, she, you know, I, I'm real like passive sometimes. I'd be like, ah, it happens. What am I supposed to do, right? No, not my mom. So she she pulls over. She stops the guy on the lawnmower. She says, where's your supervisor? And he says, well, you got to drive to this building, so-and-so. And so we drove up to the building and she's trying to explain to him, you know, hey, you know, he sprayed my car with these rocks or whatever. I think the county should fix it. And he's like, yeah, we're the county. We really don't do that. Uh, you know, it's just it's just part of, you know, living or whatever, there's nothing really we can do. And she says, no, you're going to fix this car. And he says, well, look, it's kind of above me. So you got to drive across the city to this other building and look for this guy. And and so we drove across the city and we looked for this guy. He came out and, and he's like, look, man, we don't, you know, we really don't do that. You know, we would have to be fixing tons of stuff and cars and all this stuff all the time. He's like, you know, we're the county. We don't really do that. And she said, no, you're going to fix this car. And so a few days later, we picked our car up from the body shop because they fixed our car. Some people just are persistent until they get what they're going to get at all costs. Now, some of y'all know that some people take it a bit too far and they're going to get what they're going to get. And sometimes they have to lie about it. They have to push the boundaries. They have to be deceitful about it, but they're going to get what they want, right? But here's the widow. And she is bound and determined. If my family won't help me, if my sons and daughters won't help me, if my friends won't help me, if my neighborhood will not help me, I'm going to get this done. And so she goes all the way up to the judge. 
Now, if you look at this, if you think about it, my mom, when I was sitting in the car, I, I was young. I was like 10 years old. I was super embarrassed because my mom is yelling at all these people, super embarrassed. But I'm going to tell you what, because she was persistent and annoying, she got it done. And so the widow is standing here. And she says, I will stand here every day until you avenge me. And the the judge is is standing there. He doesn't really know what to do, and she doesn't go away. And she shows up the next day, and she says, you're going to avenge me. And then he doesn't do anything, and she she comes back the next day. You're going to avenge me. You're going to do it. Until finally, something amazing happens. The judge decides he's going to do it. And I love how it describes describes the judge. I want you to look at verse 2. It says, There was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. In other words, he did not love God and he did not like man. Don't you love that type judge? (laughs) He doesn't love God and he doesn't really like men that much. He's rather annoyed. And, And so what... What the widow does, she's, she's super cunning. She's, she's super genius because she has this all mapped out. If the judge is not going to do something, try to be good because he loves God, then, and if he's not going to do something because he just feels bad, and so many of us, we, we feel bad for widows, and, and so we're going to do something for you just for the sake of looking good because we don't want to look like the jerk who didn't do something for the widow, right? And the judge goes, I don't care if you're a widow. I don't care if you're lonely. I don't care what anyone did to you. But then she does something very smart. She starts to play his humanity, humanity against him. Because even if you won't do something for someone else just to look good in public, you tend to do things so you can feel good. And that's where he's at. He's like, I don't care anything about looking good in front of the people about the widow, but I do care about myself and I do care about my time and, and I do care about my comfort and, and, and I do care about, uh, you know, what I'm doing for today and you're delaying me, you're stopping me, you're annoying me and to the point where, okay, I'll, I'll do something. It's pretty genius, right? She figured out the human side of him and said, well, that's the side I'll start to attack. Have you ever done that with anyone else in your life? (laughs) Maybe like a sibling, right? Where anything you do, you know, you just can't get on their nerves. You can't annoy them. You can't get them to do what you want until you figure out their one like secret annoyance. And then you put the key in and you just turn it until they can't resist. They can't resist. Okay, fine. I'll do it. I'm going to go tell mom, okay, fine, I'll do it, right? She said, hey, look, I will do anything I can to get what I need done, done. Now, I want you to look at verse 7. It says, and shall God not avenge his own elect to cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? Because here is the issue between us and how we react to people and us and how we react to God is because God is is not us. I don't know if you've noticed that or not. 
but you cannot play God's humanity against his sovereignty because there is no humanity. And, and, and so if you've ever been on the fence with God, if you've ever been that one who feels like you've got to beg God and annoy God and talk to him and, and scream out loud to God to get him to do something, just know that God has no humanity, but he does have sovereignty. In other words, God is not moved by being annoyed by us like the judge. You cannot sit in there and beg God and say, hey, God, if you're not going to do this now, then I'm going to come back every single day and beg you until you're so annoyed or until I'll outlast you and that you finally decide to do something. How many times have we prayed that prayer? God, come on. I know you can do it, God. Come on. Where are you at, God? You, you got to do, you got to move. And God's saying, you don't understand. You will never pray hard and long enough to annoy me into doing something. You will never pray so loud and so long that I get tired of hearing your prayers. And I say, well, for the sake of being annoyed, I'll do something. Isn't that a good God? You know, God doesn't move because he's trying to impress somebody. God doesn't move because he's trying to look good or or act good or appear good or whatever. God only moves because he is good. God only moves on your behalf, only cares about things, only uh, fights for you because he is good. You know, humanity, again, will try to act good, look good, you know, try to appease people. And God says, you can't pray to me. You can't come to me as your judge, as you would a human judge. And I say to that, amen, amen, and amen, and amen. And I love what this verse says, verse 7. And shall God not avenge his own elect to cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? You know what that tells me right there? It doesn't say, though God heard them a long time. It says, though God bears with them a long time. In other words, the whole time you were crying out, the whole time you were asking God and seeking God and wondering where God was, he was bearing it with you. In other words, he was standing right there, walking along the same path. And so as you were shouting and saying, God, where are you? And God, I, you know, if I worship a little bit louder, then, then maybe you'll come to me. God goes, no, you don't understand. I've been bearing this with you the same time. You don't have to beg me to move. I, I hear you. I see you. I feel you. I'm, I'm, I'm right here. I, like, I understand your walk. Yeah, but God, it, 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 maybe if we pray for like three hours this time, we only pray for two hours last time, and maybe that third hour, like that's when the Holy Spirit kicks in because we, we begged you for the third hour, and God's going, oh, you don't understand. There's no amount of, of prompting and begging and writhing your spirit that would make me love you more, that would make me react to you more, that would make me come to you more, or make me bear with you more. And I love how it says that God has been bearing with them for a long time. Long time. I didn't just show up. I didn't just start caring when you started praying. I, I, I didn't just find out about your circumstance when you decided to have that prayer night. I've been bearing it with you for a long time. Now, does that mean we stop praying? Does that mean we stop having three-hour prayer sessions? Absolutely not. Absolutely. That is, that is not the case whatsoever. But when we respond to humans, 
It tends to be the same way we respond to God. And God is going, hey, I don't know if you know this or not, but I'm actually bigger than you. Um, it's very simple. I want you to look at verse 8. He ends it and he goes, I got a question though. When I come back, when the Son of Man comes back, I want to avenge them, but will I, will he, will Jesus really find faith on the earth? Verse 6, we'll get back to that. Verse 6 says, Then the Lord said, Here's what I want you to do. I want you to hear what the unjust judge has to say. I want you to hear what he has to say. I want you to hear his response. I want you to hear what he would do. But then look at verse 8. But after you hear the unjust judge, I actually want you to listen to me. He says, because I will tell you that I will avenge them speedily. I'll be there. But when I come, will I find faith? This story, you can look at and say, well, this story is obviously about, you know, judgment. And this story is all about, you know, who we're going to trust to to stand up for us and, and, you know, do we run to earthly things or, or do we run to, to God and let him avenge us or, you know, do we, what? but Jesus says this story is actually about your faith and the widow is us and the concern that she has, the way she goes about it is showing her faith. And Jesus is looking around saying, if she's willing to go to any length to get whatever she needs done, how much more willing will you be to wait on me, to wait and be steady with me, to, to know that I'm going to fulfill what I said I was going to fulfill? How much more faith will you have in that moment? Jesus said it's actually about faith. And here's where it gets good. Verse 3. Because I think the woman actually has it a little backwards if we can kind of shift gears for a moment. I want you to look at verse 3 here. It says, Now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him saying, Get justice for me from my adversary. Get justice for me, but I want you to get it from my adversary. Can I just tell you real fast and just point this out? Um, Satan is never going to pay you back. I don't know if you figured that out yet, but he's not waiting in line saying, how much do I owe you? How much do I owe you? Oh, what did I do? I'm so sorry. I'm going to pay you back. You are never going to get paid back from your adversary. You know what God says? Who's going to pay you back for what the enemy did? Do you know what God says? I want you to look at Joel chapter 2, verse 25. This is who God is. And this is what this story is all about with the widow. This is amazing. Joel 2, 25. It says, I will restore. Who? Who is I? God. God says, oh, I see. 
I, I, I see what happened, but I'm going to restore. I'm going to restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the crawling locust, the consuming locust, and the chewing locust. My great army, which I sent among you, you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never be put to shame. Amen. Then you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel and I am the Lord your God and there is no other. My people shall never be put to shame. I'm sorry. How many times do we sit and go, the enemy owes me. Satan owes me. And one day Satan, I'm going to get my stuff back. Can I just tell you something? Let, Let Satan have your stuff. Don't be so wrapped up and consumed with the enemy because God looks at you going, hey, I don't care about your stuff. I'm going to give you back everything. In fact, you watch how I restore and I restore and restore. You're going to be blown away with what I give you. Didn't I give it to you in the first place? I love how God is going. Oh, yeah. You you see how the locust came in. And, And by the way, he kind of goes through the stages of locusts right there. And it's, it's, it's pretty incredible to see because he talks about, first off, the swarming locusts. So they had this kind of plague of locusts that came in and just, just enveloped this, this whole community. And, and this happened again in 1915 in the exact same area that this scripture is talking about. The same exact event happened. So it was actually recorded in modern history. But a swarm of locusts came in, and what happened is they, they were so overwhelmed that they couldn't get rid of them, and then they started laying eggs, like, instantly. And locusts will lay a 100 eggs each, the females. a 100 eggs. And so, very quickly, all these eggs started hatching. You already have millions of locusts. It said in 1915 that the locusts were so thick, literally so thick, that it was blocking out the sun. And so the locusts, then they lay eggs. And then if you follow through, then they, they start to, to hatch. And then you get the crawling locust, the little baby locust, every millions and millions and millions of them. And then you get the consuming locust as they grow. They start to push down all the vegetation and, and just destroy everything. But then they get big enough to where they're actually eating. And then you get the chewing locusts. And then it starts all over again, the cycle. And you just, just get enveloped by all this stuff over and over and over. And what was going on is the community was looking out saying, how will we ever get rid of all this locust? They were eating everything, every every tree, every uh, leaf, every piece of grass. They were consuming Everything, the damage that the locust done would not be recovered for years and years and years and years. And in fact, in the original text, it said, tell your children. This is so devastating that you need to tell your children that they need to listen to the story because it gets good. Can you imagine if they're standing there going, hey, this this locusts are going to pay me back. Y'all need to get to work in the fields. Y'all, y'all need to plow some fields. Y'all need to put my plants back. The locust is going to pay me back. It's going to be a long time waiting, ain't it? I was watching a show the other day and about some divers. And uh, it's this guy who dives all over, and he tries to find interesting spots to dive. And uh, his friend said, hey, I, I, want, I want to bring you out to outside of Orlando. 
uh, to where there's kind of all these, this, this delta with all these inlets and everything running through. And, and there's bridges spread out throughout all these places. And it's real remote. There, there's no one that's really out in these areas. Uh, I want you to come dive on one of, the, one of the, uh, these bridges. And let's see if we can find something interesting. And so, you know, normally you might find like a gun or something or whatever. They start diving this, this small bridge and they find an abandoned car that was thrown off into the river on purpose. And, uh, and then they keep swimming around and they find a second one. And then kind of underneath there, there was a third vehicle in there. And what happens is the, the gangs or whatever, they'll, they'll take these cars, they'll strip them down and, uh, you know, maybe... They didn't know, but maybe they were used in a murder or some kind of whatever, and they take them way out these remote places, and they, they dump them in the water. And, and so they do the right thing, and they, they call the cops, and the cops uh, call the wrecking company, uh, and they pull them out of the water, and they inspect it and, and all that good stuff. But, but can you imagine if a few years later, after your car just goes missing, they never recover it, never find it, uh, never see it again, they pull it out of the water, they set it there. There's no rims, no tires. The, the engine's been stripped out. Uh, the transmission's been stripped out. It's just basically a shell. And then they, they set it there on the water. And then they go, hey, we found your car. We're going to give it back to you now. No one on this earth would want that car back unless they had something hidden in it. But no one wants that car back. You know why? Because the insurance company hopefully did what they're going to do, and the insurance company already made it right. They're no longer worried about what they used to have because now they have what they have now. And, and now they're, they're, they're moved on from the past. Uh, but how many of you know that sometimes people can dwell on what happened a long time ago, and they're still waiting on something that's old, even though God is standing there going, hey, I don't care about what's old. I'm going to give you something new. But we're all waiting, sometimes at different points in our life, we're all waiting on the enemy to step up and pay us back. And God's going, you don't understand. I will avenge you, but I'm going to repay you. How many of y'all know that God's repayment is way better than what Satan could possibly dish back to us? Some old abandoned muddy car that he's going to throw back and say, well, I took what I wanted. Now you can have it back. See, what we got to do this morning is say, Satan, I'll tell you what, I'll make a pact with you. I know we're not supposed to do that. You can have it. You can keep it. I don't want it back because I know that when God repays, it's going to be seven times better than it was before. So if the enemy starts stealing stuff away, don't just sit there and go, oh, the enemy stole it. The enemy, the enemy, you know, it's going to be, it's going to get hard. And, and you know, the enemy, you know what Jesus was saying in the story was, you don't only not worry about your stuff. You don't worry about the enemy. Because I'm going to avenge. And in the meantime, while I'm avenging, while I'm, I'm setting things right over here, I'm going to repay. The enemy will never, ever write you a check. And I know we used to sing that song, and I think it's okay, but we used to sing that song, I went to the enemy's camp. And I took back what he stole from me after he munched on it and took what he wanted. I took back what he stole. I know it was only half of what he stole, but I got it back. And God's going, no, 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 hmm? no. This is how I fight my battles. You see, because I'm going to restore to you what the enemy 
8. I'm going to restore to you what the locust took away. What look, I know, I know. I need, I, here's what I want you to do. I want you to tell your children how bad it was. I want you to tell your children it was desperate. We were hungry. We didn't know what we were going to do. But then God showed up. But then it got so good because we were looking at our crops and our fields and we were thinking our life is ruined. We don't know. We don't have anything else to do. We don't know. We don't know how to do anything else except plant. And now it's all gone. He says, but I want you to tell them that because at the flip side of that, what I did for you, tell them how desperate it was and tell them how good I am. Isn't that amazing? God, I just, God, we, you get my stuff back. Jesus, come on. Jesus, if, if the enemy stole and I just want what, and God goes, you don't want what was stolen. Trust me. I'm going to give you seven times better. Verse 27 says, then you shall know that I am in the midst of, of Israel. Then you shall know. How many of you are looking for a then you shall know moment where it's desperate, where maybe you've been trying to fight your battles, maybe you've been trying to get back what the enemy stole for a long time, but God's going, hey, what you need is a then this I will know type moment. When you look around and see me move and you know that you haven't done anything, you, you, you haven't like gone above and beyond, but I did. Proverbs 24, 29 says, do not repay them with evil. Um, Jesus looks at the end of that verse that end in that block of scripture there. And he says, I want you to hear what the judge said, the evil judge, the unjust judge. I, I want you to hear him. Because what the unjust just judge, that's really hard to say, said was, I will move on your behalf because I am so annoyed by you. And, and I will avenge and I will go get back what's old and what's broken What's decayed, I will go get it back for you, but only because I'm annoyed. He says, but I want you to hear crystal clear what I have to say. And I'm going to fight. Amen. Proverbs 25, 20 says, repay kindness, repay with kindness, and God will reward you. Can I just tell you that God is the repayer? God is the rewarder. God is the amazing God that we, that we sing about. But then in verse 8, he, sum, he summarizes it all again. And he says, but I got a question. I'm going to do what I said I was going to do. But can you answer me this? When I come to do what I've said I'm going to do, when I get there and when I arrive that day, will I find faith or will I find desperation? Jesus is looking for your faith this morning, amen? Jesus looking and saying, I know it got tough. I know it got hard. But do you have faith that I will? Verse one, real quick. Verse 
He starts and he ends the same way, but look how the way he starts. He says, I want to speak this parable to you that men always ought to pray and not lose what? Heart. This is what God has for us this morning. And then he told me to stop. And I was like, well, that's only like 20 minutes. He said, stop. He says, because I have a purpose behind what I want to happen. And I said, yes, sir. (laughs) Will you close your eyes for just a moment? Because I think what God was trying to do is be very specific about where our faith is, who our faith is in, what he's trying to do, where he's trying to take us, what he's trying to teach us, what he wants to give us. Because some of us take our humanity and we apply it to how how. We live with God and we're so aggravated, we're so irritated with with the enemy that most of our prayer life, most of our faith is so wrapped up and God attacking the enemy instead of God being God, instead of God being good, and instead of God being the restorer and the healer and, and the repayer. And God says, hey, what happened to you is real. I'm not, I'm not saying it didn't happen. I'm not saying it's not important. I'm not saying that it doesn't hurt. But here's what I'm here to tell you. That no matter what happened, I'm bigger. That no matter how much was stolen away, I will repay. I know it sounds like, I know it feels like, I know it looks like I'm taking forever, but just know this, that I have walked with you every single step. I have heard every word that came out of your mouth, and I want you to know that I am the avenger. What happens is we tend to focus on the enemy. We get called up in the enemy. We think about the enemy. We think about what he stole. We, we think about the past. We, we think about all the things we miss and how good things were in the past. And, uh, you know, we, that, that tends to, to be us for a while. And we go through some things and sometimes rightfully so. Sometimes we have to go through a season of mourning. But Jesus said, on this day, I will restore to you. And then he says, where's your faith? Where's your faith? I'm coming. Will I find faith when I get there? Will I find a people that are ready? Will I, will I find a people that are declaring things even though they can't see it? Will I find the people that are, that are so strong in their faith? When I, when I show up, they go, hey, it's over. It's done. The crops are back. The food is back. My way of living is back. It's going to get good from here.
might have went to the enemy's camp. But I also went to the throne room of Jesus. And he told me not to worry about it because he already took care of it. One question this morning. Who, and this might not even be correct, who is your repayer? Who is your restorer? Who is your healer? Not who did bad to you, but who did good to you? Who promised good to you? I can just imagine that we're all stressing about something that the enemy took away a long time ago and God's going, oh my gosh, if you think that was good, if you thought you had it good then, if you thought you were worshiping me then, you just wait. Something amazing about God is when he does something, he does it in time. In other words, when he creates something, and we've talked about this before, when he created the earth, the earth looks like it's millions of years old because he created it in time. When he created Adam, Adam looked like he was an adult. He didn't have to go through the stages. He didn't have to grow up. He didn't have to be fed. And all. Adam was just created, and he looked and felt, and sounded like he was an adult. And so when God says, I'm going to restore to you what the locust has eaten, what the enemy took away, what the enemy destroyed and trampled and, and, and made a life of it, what the enemy ate away, when he says, when God says, I'm going to restore, it's not a process. God restores in time. I'm going to give it back to you now. I'm going to give it back to you Today, I, I'm not going to give it something that's sick and broken down. I'm not going to give it, give you something. Maybe sometimes you have to take it and cultivate it and whatever. But he says, I'm not going to give you something that's sick and broken down. And then you have to hope that it's going to work. I'm going to give it to you because it's going to work. I think it is time for the enemy to stop getting more credit than he deserves more of our life than he deserves, more of our thoughts and a little less of our prayers than we've been praying. Some of y'all been giving the enemy way too much credit. Well, I mean, I, I would be doing good in life, but 10 years ago, the enemy. Eight years ago, the enemy. The enemy stole, the enemy trampled, and God's going, hey, but I'm your restorer. If you need a restoration this morning, and you're willing to give God the glory, and not the enemy some credit, will you stand to your feet this morning? I'm tired of being stressed out over what the enemy did. Now I'm going to praise over what God is going to do. I'm going to praise you for what God has promised. 
I'm not waiting on the enemy to write a check. I've already got a God that's already paid for everything. I have a Savior who went to the cross, who paid for my healing, who paid for my desperation. He's already done it. Thanks again for listening to our audio podcast. If you would like to find out more about our church, you can visit us at life-church.org. 